don't get me wrong, we should all feel fortunate, but I think that there's a lot of ways to live happy, and I think there's, simple doesn't necessarily mean lesser. I'm Leah Fallon, and you're listening to Wander by Proxy, a podcast featuring travel stories that connect women more to themselves and the world around them. Lauren Gable took a hike in Vietnam through a company called Sapa Sisters, where her trekking guide unintentionally taught her a bunch of life lessons. But before this trip, Lauren wanted to prove to the company that she was working for that she could work remotely and travel, and that her clients wouldn't see a difference in her quality of work. Lauren has always had a passion for traveling, and she makes a point to go on two international trips a year. But it wasn't always like that. Here's Lauren. When I was in college, I was so afraid of um, falling behind, people forgetting about me, or missing an opportunity, and then getting set back in my career stuff that I kind of put travel a little bit on the back burner. And then after college, I started trying to kind of get back into it. And I went like a couple years without traveling because I kept asking friends to go on trips and they either, you know, didn't have the money or they didn't have the time off. And it just felt like I I probably did this for a year or two of just waiting. And finally I was like, okay, this is not, okay, I can't wait any longer. You know, if nobody's available to go with me, I'm just going to book a trip and go by myself. So I went on my first solo trip shortly after college and it was, the most amazing experience I ever had. I feel like I learned so much about myself and so much and just had an absolutely fabulous time. And that kind of started me on a little bit of a solo travel kick. And I went on a couple more trips like solo. That first one was I did a couple of cities in Europe and then I did a solo trip to Thailand. And then I loved it so much that I went back a few months later and did more Thailand and Cambodia, Vietnam. And so I did this a few times and slowly my friends started seeing how much fun I was having. And they started booking tickets to go on my solo trips with me. So it kind of stopped being solo travels um, for a little bit. And I did, I also, my uh, longtime best friend became my boyfriend. And so it became a lot of friend travel and couples travel. And, you know, it was, it was kind of a whole new chapter. And I love solo travel, but I love traveling with friends too. So it was definitely different, but fun in like a different kind of way because I got to share something I loved so much and to develop such a passion for with the people that were closest to me. Yeah, that's such a common problem too, because it's like, sure, you'd love for them to come, but you can't always wait around. So it's funny that they eventually did just tag along with you. So a few months ago, you decided to go to Vietnam. What made you choose Vietnam this time? I had these plans kind of loosely that I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to go back to Asia just because I love Asia. It's one of my favorite parts in the world. And I just kind of felt now that I had this amazing opportunity where I could work remotely, I had to find a way this year to get back to Asia. I think it had been maybe two years since I, almost two years since I'd been there. And I just, I love Southeast Asia so much. It's my favorite part of the world. So I booked a ticket to Vietnam. I did not have a return flight or date. I didn't have very much planned. And this is not really like me. Normally, when I go into a trip, I have everything really planned out. And I think that's one of the things that's been a little bit different about how I travel when I have a full-time office job and limited vacation. And I'm doing two trips a year. And I want to see as much as humanly possible and versus how I'm 
doing things a little bit now, which is a little bit more loose and flexible and not going into it with as much planned and just kind of seeing what comes out of it and how much time I actually feel comfortable staying away and that sort of thing. So, and I, and I knew my, my, my sister was going to be in Asia too. And I was hoping to meet up with her at some point in this expedition. I did know I wanted to go to Sapa. And um, it's, so I, I mentioned that I had been to Vietnam before, back when I was doing a lot of solar travel the first time. And I didn't get a chance to make it to Sapa. And it just always kind of was a place that kind of stood out in my mind as looking really beautiful and really cool and somewhere I wanted to go. And I had read about this company, Sapa Sisters, and I was really drawn to it because I always feel like I get excited about opportunities to support female-run businesses and supporting especially minority women. So I had read about Sapa Sisters back when I was first researching Vietnam, and it just stood out to me as a company that I personally would love to support and trek with. And it was a company that was run by minority women, and they just felt like a company that was really supporting women in a positive way. And so it wasn't the cheapest company out there, not by a long shot, but I just, something in, sometimes I go for the cheap things, but other times I'm just like, no, no, this is, this is the moment when you splurge and actually spend the money, like go with a company that sounds really cool. So I show up, well, they booked my like train, my overnight sleeper train, which is really fun and kind of funny. You bunk with three other people and chatting and start to become friends with people. And I realized one of the girls in my same little quad room was also trekking with Sapa Sisters. So that was nice. I made kind of a buddy already. And all the guides are private with Sapa Sisters. So we knew we weren't going to, we were each going to have our separate guides, but it was nice just having somebody to walk to the starting point, a little kickoff house with and you know we show up and they served us a really nice little breakfast and then we got introduced to our guides and my guide was little Zoe and she was she was quite a character like she was she, she was funny she was so dry and she was quiet and kind of soft-spoken but then we just come in with like these zingers I mean we we started off on the track and it was going to be a two-day track and you know, she's wearing flip-flops for one, which just like boggles my mind that this seems to be the regular uniform is trekking in flip-flops. I've, I, it was actually really funny. There was another guide who had a three-year-old child with her and the three-year-old child was doing the truck for seven hours with the mom and just hopping up and down the rocks and doing it in flip-flops and the, the parents kept trying to help the little kid and he was in and or sorry the the guest the tourist kept trying to help the little kid and everyone would be like the guys would be like no no he's fine he doesn't need help like you know this is just how they grow up they believe their kid can do it so they can't do it and I think that that's a really like interesting kind of observation of just how growing up differently kind of leads to different expectations about your abilities and so, sorry, I went off on a long tangent there about the, flip, the sandals, but I just always found that like so funny that that was a part of her trekking uniform. Well, that is interesting because my most expensive pair of shoes is my hiking boots and they go through so much wear and tear. So I can't imagine 
the amount of time it would take to toughen up your feet and your muscles to take that type of terrain and hike like that. That's amazing. So what was your plan? How many days was the trek? Uh, two days trek. So the way it was, and it wasn't like a full day. It probably ended up being about seven hours of trekking each day. It was cool because I got an opportunity just to talk to Zoe about her life and what it was to live there. And she was so, she was so open, like right from the start, she was like, feel free to ask me anything you want. And I definitely asked a lot of questions because I'm a very inquisitive person. At one point, I asked her, would you ever want to go to Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh City? Because just for information, Tapa is about four hours north of Hanoi. And she was just like, nope, nope. Like, no, I'm good here. And I just thought it was such an interesting perspective. Like, just like perfectly happy in her environment where she was, like no interest to leave. It was extremely eye-opening, like both in the moment and later, like thinking you know, deeper on it. We're in this absolutely stunning environment. You just look everywhere and it's, it's beautiful. I could stop and take photos incessantly everywhere we turned. And this is, this is her home. This is where she lives. And it is the most peaceful, serene, beautiful place. So on one hand, it's easy to be like, well, why wouldn't you want to explore and leave and see other things and then I look at her and she's just like she's she's so in tune with her surroundings and the environment she could just pick up we'd be walking and she could just pick up a leaf and braid it into a flower crown and then pick up little wildflowers and stick it in the crown and then hand it to me that she you know she made me a crown to wear and it just felt like she she understood her environment so well and was so at peace and like happy there in a way that we, I think that it's really easy to kind of gawk at people living in simpler situations. And, and this isn't to say that you shouldn't feel fortunate. <laughs> you know, don't, don't get me wrong. We should all feel fortunate. But I think that there's a lot of ways to live happy. And I think there's, Simple doesn't necessarily mean lesser. And I think that was something really big that I kind of took away from this experience. She and all the guides, they live a little bit simpler lives. A lot of that at mine, uh, Zoe was like the breadwinner in her family. And her husband was doing the cooking and cleaning and looking after her one-year-old daughter. And um, I, I just got the feeling that she was so in love. She liked her work. She loved the beauty of the place she was living. She was just, she was happy to be there. I love that travel does this. It makes us see that there are so many other ways to live, no matter what other people think. What did you take with you when you got home to LA? I think my major takeaway is just that there are so many ways to be happy and there are the things that we think we need in life aren't necessarily the things we need. The guide we were traveling with, they had their family, they had their children, they had their health. And those are the things that made them happy and satisfied. And I think it's really easy to get caught up when you live in a big city with, oh, so-and-so has the newest iPhone or I want to drive a fancy car, but it's just stuff. And at the end of the day, stuff's not going to make you happy. So I think that that was a major takeaway is just simpler. Simple isn't bad. Simple can be really nice. 
simple means less stress. Simple means more time to spend with your family. And I just think that it's never a bad thing to have a little simplicity. Absolutely. So what was the rest of your trip like? So the rest, so we, after the first day of trekking, we ended in um, a family's home, which is another cool thing to see is just how this real family in northern Sapa in a tiny little village lives. And then as we're kind of hanging out at the house, like she's sitting there knitting a dress for her daughter. And this is the thing. Every single time we would stop when we were trekking, Zoe would pull out her knitting and work on it. She was, even even sometimes when we were walking, she was knitting. Like the work ethic was just like so amazing. Um, Always kind of doing something productive and it was very interesting. And so I feel like stuff like that can also have a little bit of a calming effect too. And then, so the second day we set off on a truck again. And this day was a little bit shorter. And it was, we were pretty much on our own this whole day. The, the first day, I feel like we kept crossing, crossing paths with different tour groups. And the second day was a little bit more just us. The time when I got a lot of good conversation with Zoin and something really interesting, like, she said at one point, I asked her about like having her daughter and what what that was like. And she told me like, I trekked right up until the, the day before I gave birth. And I was just like stunned by that. And I was like, isn't that hard? And she was like, no, no, it actually like, it makes the delivery process easier actually. And I don't know where she got that fact from, but she was so just sure that the reason she had an easy pregnancy was because she tracked right up until the day she gave birth. So, and I kind of, I just think to like our society, like I told a, a pregnant woman, like to trek up and like, no way like that would happen. They'd probably be like laying in bed. So I just, it's, it's very interesting, the different perspectives and also just the power of belief. Like, and I think I touched on this a little bit earlier with the little kid in the sandals and how the, the tourists are worried about the kids trekking in sandals and jumping up and down on the train. And, you know, the parents are just like, no, 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 he's fine. They just have this, like, certainty that he was fine. And because they were certain he was fine, like, he felt fine. And I think that you, and the same thing with Zoe, like, she believed that trekking up until the end was going to give her an easy pregnancy. And then it did. And I just think that that's something really interesting and, like, believe you can do something and people believe you can do something and just kind of gets ingrained in who you are and what you can do. So that was another kind of interesting thing that came out. I love what you said about the power of belief. I think that's really powerful. And that drives a lot of human behavior is just the belief or the non-belief in something. I like that. You can follow Lauren's travels on Instagram at the out of office gal. That will be in the show notes as well. Visit Wander by Proxy podcast on Instagram or Facebook to see recommendations Lauren has for Vietnam and for teasers for the next episode. It'll be the week of Valentine's Day, so I have a story lined up with a woman named Autumn who met her salsa dance instructing husband while backpacking South America. Amazing. Thanks so much for listening to the first episode of Wander by Proxy. If you or someone you know has a travel story, visit wanderbyproxy.com and fill out the story form.